So guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Obviously joined here by Jen Rolich, Head of Client Development and Behaviour Change Expert as always. I just want to say guys, first and foremost, it's been fantastic to hear all your feedback from the podcast. One of the biggest things that stood out, especially when Jen was talking, <laughs> was the fact that so many people couldn't believe that she used to work out in a bin bag because that was something a PT told her. Tell us a wee bit more, Jen, about people reaching out and like you know, some of the things they've been saying to you. So many people have texted me saying I was laughing so much at the image of you doing PT in a bin bag. I was laughing so much at you chewing the six almonds. It actually made me realise I was not alone. Like so many other people have been told to do this mental shit and have believed this mental shit. Um, so listen, if the thought of me sweating profusely in a bin bag at a PT session gave you a laugh, um, then I'm happy. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> to be honest, like I've seen the conventional boxer in a bin bag, but that stretches it just one step too far. Yeah, I was the definitely not the Rocky Balboa of Blantyre, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you might be a co-bridge now though that you're doing things right. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, so why don't we actually touch on some myths in the fitness industry? Obviously, the fitness industry has evolved so much in the last probably 10 years. It's had a lot of funding a lot of stuff that kind of logistically and in theory sounded correct has obviously been proven not to be. Like even just like the starvation mode thing, like in theory, 100%, your body's going to stop losing body fat because it doesn't want you to starve to death. Like in theory, 100% sounds sounds like it could be a thing, yep. but it's bullshit. <laughs> yep. So why don't we look at maybe some of the myths that you got drew into previously, some of the myths that you've heard maybe on a regular basis, and we'll just start to debunk a lot of them. So any of our listeners that potentially still do these things can maybe wield themselves off it a little bit. Yeah. Oh my God. I wouldn't even know where to start because I think that there is not a single myth that was peddled in the diet industry that I didn't once believe at any given time. I think one of the biggest ones was absolutely that starvation mode thing. Like I can remember being on a thousand calories a day, exercising profusely and wondering why I wasn't losing weight. And I think it's interesting because not until I met you did I understand the difference between losing fat and losing weight, mm. right? If I seen scale weight not moved, I assumed that I wasn't losing fat. It took me such a long time to also learn that after intense exercise, you will retain water. Mm. Like the day after I ran a half marathon, I weighed myself and I was like 10 pounds heavier, yeah. which is really disheartening <laughs> when your Fitbit tells you you've burned 4,000 calories, right? <laughs> but I think um, the, the starvation mode one was a huge one and I still hear people say it. that to me I think I'm not losing weight because I'm in starvation mode and I'm like when you see people who have starved to death yeah. <laughs> right they are emaciated because they are starving yeah. like their body is not <laughs> holding on like it's literally that simple but at the time again like you say there's so much more intelligence and education around the fitness industry now that most health and fitness coaches will be able to debunk these myths yeah, yeah. but I think the starvation mode one where do you think that came from like where do you think people started to learn and believe for that to be such a widely known perpetuated myth i'm not too sure where it started but i think i know the theory behind it for so many people i think when you're invested in your goals and you're emotionally connected and tied to them and you're not achieving your goals it's very simple and easy to look at ways as to why it's not working and blame something else rather than actually looking internally and if we look at some of the theory behind it because i think a lot of what we do is actually looking at the theory and debunking it that way and actually giving the proof and the understanding of what actually happens through that process and why something like starvation mode doesn't exist but why 
You might believe that to be true when you're maybe not practicing mindfulness and self-awareness where you could be going wrong. So let's actually look at the fact of the matter. We obviously know that everyone has a point of homeostasis. You will, I will, it'll be different. Paul, the podcast guy, will. <laughs> I think I've given him more shout-outs in this podcast than I've given anyone else <laughs> shout-outs on this podcast. Um, but we're all going to have this different point of homeostasis where our body feels as if it can give relevant energy to all bodily processes. That will come down to genetics, lifestyle, like experience with training, like experience with your 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 lifestyle just with being active as well. It all comes down to different things. And that point of homeostasis, when you start to alter it, your body will start to show you signs and signals of why it should try and get back to homeostasis. That will happen when you're losing weight and it'll also happen when you're gaining weight. It's like, see all the unhealthy benefits you feel when you're gaining weight. Um, the low energy, can't get up out of bed, obviously stiffness in muscles, joints, aches, pains everywhere, um, short mood, low, like being snappy with people through that low energy. Um, but obviously in a dieting sense, the further away you get, the less energy you're actually able to give to other mechanisms within the body. That's why women, for example, and there will probably be so many women who listen to this podcast who have actually restricted themselves so much and over-exercised to the point where their energy availability has been so low that they've lost their period. And that's because our kind of primal instinct is obviously, if we are in danger, we need to shut down energy going to places of the body that doesn't need that energy. So from a primal perspective, we used to be in danger when we would get chased by a saber-toothed tiger. So the lights would go off in places to give you the energy to boost the adrenaline and to run like fuck and not get eaten by the fucking tiger. Um, or fight the tiger if you were a hard bastard, right? <laughs> so we have to look at it from that perspective. So if you're in that, that survival mode in a sense, if you're in that fight or flight response, the body's saying we don't need estrogen to to cater for a child mm. right now. Let's shut it down. Let's put all of the energy into what we need right now. And the energy for people that they need usually when they're in such a restrictive process or like a binge and purge process is I just need to get through the day. I need to get through this next workout. I need to be able to not eat right now, even though food is on their mind constantly. And they're just thinking about when their next meal is. And as you start to get past that point of homeostasis, that's why you will get actively hungrier you will start to subconsciously move less your body will start to show you signs of lethargy and low energy because it's putting hurdles in your way and challenges in your way to try and get you back to a comfortable position and that's why the process of getting into shape can be a great one because it teaches you a lot of resilience a lot of discipline and it shows you that you actually don't have to listen to your body even though it's telling you what to do and obviously homeostasis can be regulated at a new point so that's why people who sustain weight loss can regulate homeostasis at a new point if they go through like a maintenance phase for example but it's always going to be fighting against you initially mm. and you need to get good at fighting back with it but that only usually comes with a sustainable plan yeah. you know and not yeah. restricting yourself too much and obviously we know that when you're hungry as well we don't just have the hunger aspect of things we've actually got the the psychological kind of emotional side of it because mm. food is a lot of the time just used for emotional regulation more than anything else so when you have food being taken away from you and you are hungry you are tired as a result and you are massively over restricting you will have distorted thought processes lack of self-awareness lack of mindfulness so you might have a chocolate and believe you've only had a chocolate and you've had 20 chocolates three times a day when you've passed it in the kitchen yeah. they're still left over for christmas so you need to be in a sustainable process throughout where it doesn't restrict you too much and you don't exercise profusely to the point that you're so exacerbated, like through low energy, that you start to miss things. Yeah. That self-awareness always needs to be high. And that's why we preach like automating your days, not having things in the house that you would turn to if you're going to be emotional because you can't rely on will all the time. 
It's the environment yeah. to create success. So I think it came from people looking for something to blame. As yeah. hard as that is to 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 recognize and accept, it is the fact of the matter. Yeah. 100% and I think so many of the myths bank on that yeah. because like we spoke about that in like episode one when I said to you like I'm not losing weight because I'm stressed and in theory true mm. but in practice not so much yeah. and I think people really underestimate that the impact that psychological stress manifests as physical stress on the body huge so like if you are being chased to the jungle by that tiger or you are being rejected by a group of your peers or you're experiencing challenge or bullying at work like your brain hasn't caught up the brain processes physical and social threat almost identically yeah. so your nervous system your amygdala response your whole fight fight or flight system kicks in mm -hmm. regardless of whether it, your brain thinks like if there's a fucking tiger here we need to get away from it right the yeah. tiger can be a cheeky email your brain doesn't <laughs> know the difference and i think now when i think back and i reflect back when i say to you stress is the reason that i'm not losing weight stress was at the root of it so yeah. you had to get to the root but actually the symptoms of it were exactly that the overeating they're not sleeping properly like all of those impacts that for someone like me when i was always on a diet and in inverted commas i did believe that my body was in starvation mode yeah. because in my mind i was always on a diet and never losing weight when actually i was all in on a diet for two weeks and then all off it for four yeah oh no <laughs> I, I totally get that and i do i do understand that it is a hard process like i'm not going to sit here and say that it's not for people to overcome those kind of beliefs that they have um it is to a degree a bit of a get out clause because I truly believe that you do have to look at yourself and just be completely blunt and honest and accept what you're doing and drop the ego with it. But it is a protective mechanism. And that's why most people trying to get in shape are doing it for some form of protective mechanism mm. as well. Like a lot of the reasons are actually very dark reasons rather yeah. than good reasons. And I've actually found working with a lot of people that the dark energy drives you harder yeah. <laughs> than oh, the totally. good energy. That's why when you kind of get into a good place, you need to understand the long-term vision of why you just need to continue to get better yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, what other myths? Do you know, just as we were talking about that, I think a lot of the myths peddle themselves in the starvation mode belief. Yeah. So I ended up, I mean, we could be here all day if we spoke about every diet that I ever did, but I can remember um, doing, it was called the military diet at the time that was apparently for people entering the military and like now if i ever speak to people who have been in the army they're like yeah we eat fucking pizza <laughs> I, I, well catered yeah. for, like three meals a day <laughs> yes yeah we were not eating half a grapefruit and a dry slice of yeah. toast the way you were i think it was like the military diet and then it morphed into um like a pre-surgery diet at, like christ knows but so many of these perpetuated um per perpetuated on the myth that genetically different things work for different people so your genetics will depend on body type and all that yeah so, so i was told for my body type because i carry all of my weight around my stomach in the middle that i had to do keto because carbs were causing insulin resistance or insulin spikes or something to do with insulin so if i removed carbs all together then i would lose weight so tell us <laughs> about how that is bullshit <laughs> it's guys it's it's actually Again, it's very easy to understand in theory. Now, you have to find the right diet that works for you. The right diet is always going to be the diet that can be sustained for the longest period of time. Now, let's look at why a lot of people turn to these other things. Usually, it's because the individuals that have gained more, more body fat, more weight, 
it comes down to the fact that they are eating foods that are more multi-ingredient based and processed. So everyone will use the word process, but they don't think about the word multi-ingredient or the words multi-ingredient. Multi-ingredient means that there are multi-ingredients, multiple ingredients in a particular type of food. So if you have a whole food, which is just one ingredient, like some form of vegetable, some form of meat, for example. Obviously, without the bread crumbs and shit on it, people are like, this guy's telling me I can eat breaded fish. Like, <laughs> yes, you can, but it's going to be extra calories. Get like, to your local yeah, chippy now. These are all of the things you have to think about, but no one thinks about the kind of multi-ingredient, like, word of it. And that means that it brings so many different caloric limits together to to basically make this wonderful, palatable, moorish type food that is so good to eat. It's like, so good to taste it's got such a good texture to it. That's why we're always drawn towards these foods. And people will usually then say, this diet saved my life because it probably, or changed my life, saved my life, whatever. Because many people do say these these sorts of things, especially if they maybe were obese or very, very overweight and they didn't really find a way out. But some diets for people worked because it took these things out completely. Yeah. Completely. So like if they were always eating donuts, they were always eating like mahogany or shortbread, they were always just eating everything that was processed and multi-ingredient and multi-ingredient means it's usually got a mix of like carbs and fats that's why it is so moorish i said to my guides a couple of weeks ago like if when was the last time you just had a baked potato with like no butter on it or anything on it mm. you hardly ever finish the baked potato yeah you feel full after it but see if you had a bit of butter if you had a bit of salt if you had some other elements that make it tastier you could eat three baked potatoes oh yeah you know yeah so the less ingredients that you have in food the fuller you're going to be but most people, because of the lifestyle that they lived previously, want to still keep this very hyper palatable taste. And you do have to think about it from this perspective. Not all of your should, not all of your food should be on an enjoyment scale of ten, mm. right? See, as long as it's above five, that's what's most important. So if you take all of these things away for someone and they focus on keto, for example, so it's like no carbs, they start to focus more on some foods that are just primarily fat. So they take away all those carb calories straight away that they were taking in. So they've cut maybe a drastic amount of their daily calories just from carbs because they're no longer eating carbs whatsoever. That's why it worked. Yeah. Just for people who do high carb, low, low fat. Low fat. Um, so the people that obviously eat more fat, there's more calories in fat in, in comparison to carbs. One calorie per, one sorry, one gram per calorie. Sorry, one gram of fat is nine <laughs> calories and one gram of carbs is four calories. So the people who are eating fat will usually probably get more protein in because there's a lot of protein in fat-based foods if it's more kind of whole-based foods. Whereas with carbs, you don't really get a lot of fat or a lot of protein just yeah. in carb-based foods. So it's again, you've cut a lot of those calories out straight away. So people really get pulled into this belief that this is the diet that works when mm. really it's the diet that weaned them off of a lot of the other foods that they were eating. They were so multi-ingredient based yeah. that they were just over-consuming on yeah. too much. And science has showed like that it doesn't matter what your macro split is as long as you're in a calorie deficit that is what works and i think a lot of people don't take this into consideration and this is what i said to the guys a few weeks ago if you think of it from this perspective there's a difference between losing fat and burning fat mm. huge difference right so most people think if you're burning fat you're losing fat but say you're on keto for example and you're eating more fat yes you're eating more fat but you're also storing more fat yeah. even when you're burning more fat so fat becomes a fuel source mm -hmm. so you might be burning more fat because you've got more fat as an energy source but you'll also be storing more fat because you're eating more fat and as a result of that it then comes down to energy balance mm -hmm. if you're in a caloric deficit overall if for example you do the same with low carb uh, sorry low fat high carb 
you will use more carbs as energy and store more carbs as energy. So you'll store less fat. So people will think, oh, I'm storing less fat. I'm using less fat. So I'm not going to gain as much fat. Yeah. But again, only if you are in a calorie deficit, yeah. you can they, still overeat on carbs massively. Or they eat the fat-free stuff without checking the calories. Yes. Full of sugar. <laughs> I, I, exactly. Exactly. 100%. And you find a lot of the time, even with like keto and stuff these days, like they've brought out like keto ice cream. So it's like low carb, but it's like double the calories because yeah. they've, they've got to make the taste come from somewhere, yeah. you know? So it's like, how much cream's in that? Like, yeah. how much triple cream's in that? Oh, and some of the stuff you see people eating keto, like, no offence to anyone who does keto, it makes me feel a bit ill. <laughs> like, there's a woman who I've seen, everyone who knows me knows that I have a major TikTok addiction. There was a woman I've seen on TikTok and she was literally eating two burgers like no no lettuce or nothing because it was like extreme keto yeah. where it's n no vegetables yeah, or anything yeah, like that yeah. and she was literally she just put like a block of butter in between two burgers and ate it and i was like i refuse to believe you're enjoying that i, exactly. I refuse to believe you're enjoying that i've, I've heard about the, the the butter and the and the coffee in the morning oh, like as a keto thing i'm like that is that disgusting and like no. straight away that could be 450 calories yeah so it all comes down to like your ability to stay in a calorie deficit and whatever works for you great but i also think you should be very careful when you're preaching it to other people mm. like this worked for me okay it might have worked for you but it might not work for someone else yeah. so don't try and push it onto someone i think the good thing about the people we work with is we know that everyone wants to enjoy every type of food which yeah. is great and that's why it's sustainable for them because they don't want to cut out carbs forever mm. they don't want to cut out fats forever and it does go to show that most people who fail on their diets long term is because they pick a specific dieting strategy to wean themselves off of like the multi-ingredient carb and fat-based foods yeah. but then when they get to their goal they then just go straight back onto them so they basically double their calories overnight mm -hmm. because their food choices change overnight and it has been shown that the more that you consume multi-ingredient based foods on average you will consume an extra 200 calories per day in comparison to people that don't mm -hmm. so that's 1400 calories a week that's 5,600 calories a month. So there's pound and a half of fat yeah. straight away a month if you're in a calorie surplus from it. So count that up over the year. There's a stone a year. Yeah. Over a stone a year. Yeah. And people are like, oh, I've only noticed over the last few years I've been putting on weight. Mm. Like I've put on like three stones. It's like, well, if you've been eating that way for the past three years, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I think it's interesting when you think about where, when you start to pinpoint where like the myths could have potentially come from and like I was reading something the other day I don't know how I don't know if it's just like as a woman but like you still society still finds a way of throwing diet shit in your face all yep. the time and it, it was something about how Victoria Beckham has eaten grilled fish and vegetables every day for her entire life and I was like that breaks my heart for that <laughs> one like I think she was like she's eaten a piece of cake once and it was on her 50th birthday you know and hang on you don't know how much truth is in yeah, these things yeah, yeah. right but like I can remember like when I was younger and the the diet and the health and fitness industry was very, very toxic before I was kind of getting older and going to PTs and wearing the bin bag and all that. And like it would be in magazines. Remember, you would read like celebrities diet plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be like such and such has like porridge with nothing in it, yeah. <laughs> porridge and air for breakfast. And then they have green salad like the famous kardashian salads that was literally just a box of leaves yeah yeah and they were shaking about for christ knows what reason because we all know they were not spending <laughs> calories on a dressing like the big massive box of leaves and then grilled fish and vegetables for dinner and we created the belief that okay if i want to look like them 
I have to eat like that. And chances are high that those celebrities had literally zero input. Some some editor at a magazine went fling in grilled fish and vegetables, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But we believed all that. And then I was thinking about, um, sorry, mum, but I was thinking about <laughs> my mum when she first watched um, the documentary Hungry for Change. Do oh, you remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this would have been about 2013. And um, my mum and and the whole family, we really, really bought into it. And it came down to that whole clean eating thing. It was almost like a hangover for the Gillian McKee theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where bread was the devil. Yeah. And it was like all this, all these official scientific people in inverted commas talking about like how sugar is the devil. Oh no, sugar's better than sweetener. Sweetener is the devil. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Sugar's great. And like just all this mental stuff. And like I remember my mum bought um, a juicer. And I think my mum still drinks the green juices, but like we were all drinking these green juices every day. And I thought, finally, finally, I've found the answer. It's the fucking green juices. They were rotten, right? <laughs> they were absolutely rotten. Anybody out there who is drinking green juices that taste like celery and broccoli and telling me you enjoy it, you are lying, yeah, right? 100%. But it gives this perception of the clean eating. And I think that's probably that's probably like when you start to see the maturity of the maths, isn't it? Yeah. When the clean eating whole foods, like all of that caveman diet, that was yeah. one of them. Paleo. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, do you did you see working in the industry at that time? Did you see the shift in those maths going from the like oh, like extreme diets to oh just eat a whole clean? diet type thing yeah 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 you know it's funny because before i started pt and i didn't really know a whole lot about diet i was pretty blissfully arrogant and it was actually a good thing so i actually got some great results all i focused on was eating as much protein as i could when i could rice pasta like the things i liked put on muscle put on weight trained extremely well and when i finally got into the industry working and i learned more about it i then started to open my eyes to different theories and I probably at the beginning overcomplicated it with my clients because of all these different mm. theories you're new in the industry you want to look smart and you're like well this is what these people are preaching mm. you must be smart because you don't know much you don't really stand in your own two feet at that point you don't understand where to go for relevant information or like what to take and I remember like one of my pals <laughs> I PT'd them back in like 2014 so this would have been what my first year of PTing and he messaged me like last year and it was an email attached with his diet plan on it at the time no and he'd done bring back um 2014 march return. <laughs> and something on it said um i can't remember the full diet but a part of it was an avocado and it was in brackets avocado is good for burning body fat, like belly fat <laughs> and i was looking at it like oh my god i can't even remember writing it i can't even remember believing that i'm so far for that now that i'm like jesus fucking christ um, so it's good that over time there's been more kind of there's been more people pioneering a change in the fitness industry yeah. and really looking for facts and also debunking a lot of myths because they've got the platform to do so so there's only like a few people I would trust and learn from these days. Mm. And that's why I've only probably ever invested into like a few types of people because I only trust people that come very highly recommended, but mm. people that have a message that actually debunks myths elsewhere, not people that are giving pro advice for something that they can't also argue from the other side of the table. Yeah. Because these, I think that's a huge sign all the time. If you've got someone who can't say, I get the perspective from this side because of X, Y, and Z, and it works because of this. It might work because it gives someone a placebo effect. They believe it's working. So it makes them more adherent. Great. Mm. The people that do that, but also tell you, not just theoretically and logistically, but also through proven science, why 
it doesn't work yeah. because there is actual studies on it. Because the thing is, you can't actually say that something's right if there's been no studies done on it. Mm. Like a lot of these people will say, in theory, I've thought something, then I've got it tested, I've done a, a study on it, and it's come back inconclusive. Like it's it's not believable, um, and there is no research to prove that what I thought was right. So it's so important to to act like that. And a client of mine actually asked me a couple of weeks ago a question. Can't remember what it was now, and I just said genuinely, I don't know. Mm. I've never seen any research to to back that up. Yeah. Why would I pretend I knew something or try and buy into like what they think I want to say or whatever yeah. just to sound smart? I just was like, I, I don't know because yeah. there is no proof. Totally. You totally. know. And I think people will run things like that probably more so by you um, as well quite a lot because I think there are still. There are still so many myths that perpetuate the industry. And I think when you're in a place where you're not seeing results, you're just waiting for an answer that it could possibly be. Because it's never the thing that you want it to be. It's never you just have to be patient and consistent because that's shit and boring. The (laughs) the simple stuff's not sexy. No one one likes... I don't know. What what am I trying to say here? Like a, a minus five looking theory (laughs) you know what i mean it's like it's like standards it's like if someone says like oh i want to make sure like the person i'm with is like a 10 out of 10 they Mm. want their answer to be a 10 out of 10 before they buy into it you know what i mean absolutely and i think there's something about like when you were talking there about the research that supports things what came to my mind was like the 5-2 diet and intermittent Mm. fasting yeah 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 so i can remember finding the 5-2 diet and being like finally something that's going to work for me this is going to be it and then again it didn't work because i was eating the two 500 calorie days and then just binge eating the other five (laughs) because i was so starving from the two 500 calorie days and it's funny now because there will be times where like at the weekend because i was speaking at an event i won't eat before i speak at an event i went home that night i had a migraine I, i didn't eat the whole day the next day i wasn't majorly hungry until night time but so that essentially was a, a five-two diet, without like week, trying. without trying. And I think when you look at that, when you look at intermittent fasting, people I think sometimes want to believe that there's some sort of scientific reason behind why it exists and there, why it works, and there is mm. right. The scientific reason is it puts you in a calorie deficit uh, because you cut you cut your feeding you window, cut your feeding yeah, window yeah. down and like a lot of the time i would say i probably do do intermittent fasting without doing it deliberately because i won't eat until about lunchtime yeah paul my husband is the king of intermittent fasting he does not eat until about three or four aye. o'clock in the day right <laughs> it's not a deliberate fasting window it's just that that's when he's naturally hungry and i and i wonder if sometimes when you hear about things like intermittent fasting the thing that it's like they're trying to find a reason other than a calorie deficit to tell you that it works right yeah. so something about how your body is burning extra fat for the 12 hours or do you remember the fasted cardio days oh my do god do all your cardio I, fasted I, 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 I. like because the carry just be the reason other than pushing a calorie deficit exactly exactly <laughs> and, and it's funny because i was actually just thinking to myself there like how many people probably don't intuitively eat when they're supposed to eat and don't realize how much they're just eating out of emotion? Like I have conversations with clients and I'm like, okay, well, if you're going out for dinner, you could easily fast to the afternoon, break um, break off that first meal, and then that gives you calories to backload 
later in the day when it works best. Like, see, I, I, I'll be totally honest, when I'm trying to gain weight, I add breakfast in. When I'm trying mm. to lose weight, I remove breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> simple as that. Yeah. It is that fucking simple. And people are like, no, but surely not. And I'm like, that is all it is. Yeah. And then obviously if calories continue to taper down or remove calories from other meals throughout the day, it's as simple as that. But yeah. I'll still not add breakfast back in at any point because it works for me and I'm actually never intuitively hungry when I wake up because I feel it affects my energy yeah. the first few hours in the day. What you have to realise is your beliefs around food a lot of the time actually have been passed down to you. Like breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I was just going to say there's the myth. Uh, my Fitbit said to me the other day popped up because it sends me notifications that I don't want all of the time. Um, research shows that people who eat breakfast are 40% more likely to achieve weight loss, Right. Lie. Where, where is the research? Aye. Like, like okay, but ain't going to work for me. Whereas if I didn't have a coach, like say I was very early in the stages of my journey, yeah. if I couldn't send that to you and be like, is this true? I would go, oh my God, I need to start eating breakfast. Exactly. And for so long, I have never been a breakfast eater my whole life. My mum used to try and force me a Nutri-Grain bar in the morning when I was running out of door to school. Aye. It's just not natural to me. I will if I'm hungry, but most of the time I won't. But... Every single diet you do, slimming world, it was drummed into you. Have to eat breakfast. Have to eat breakfast. And it was always some shit like fruit and yogurt. I don't eat fruit and yogurt. Aye, aye. I, <laughs> I would rather water. not eat. I just want to eat of water when I got up and start my work. That's, yeah. the, that is my mind for the day. Two like, coffees. Aye, and two coffees. Probably like six <laughs> for you. Um, but when you do talk to clients sometimes, and I will say push that meal back, it's almost like you're, you're trying to take their kids after them oh. <laughs> you know what I mean like child services has just came at the door like don't fucking take it um, take my eyes but my pancakes I, honestly and it's like oh I don't know if I'll survive till then and I'm like see if you can't survive until midday no eating there's a fucking problem and that's where the psychological emotional thing comes oh, into it it's the fear it's the fear yeah. and it's like right well okay if you're hungry for breakfast remove your lunch yeah. <laughs> switch it about simple as that you know what I mean if you want to go for a bigger breakfast go for a bigger breakfast maybe push it back to 10 11 o'clock in the morning and then have your dinner at 5 6 have it a wee bit earlier mm. you're not going to die if you're you're not eating for 5 or 6 hours yeah. and the intermittent fasting thing like there's actually different parts of research around this as well like yes it can work because it can reduce your eating window obviously but people can just eat just as much in that eating window. And so yeah. they can squeeze all of their eating. And again, it's that theory thing of like the five, two that you said, like starve yourself for two days, then binge for five. It can happen the exact same way. Like you're not eating in the morning. You're maybe not eating snacks later in the night either. So why don't I just eat everything within that time block? Mm. But it's the magic thing in the background because I'm fasting for longer that burns more fat. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, absolutely. no, no. And then it's like, intermittent, doesn't fa intermittent fasting doesn't work for me because I tried it. I stuck to that eating window and I never lost any weight. And it's like, yes, because you were still eating more calories in that window. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it even shows like the efficiency sometimes. See, when you're trying to like, fat a lot of food into a shortened eating window for a lot of people and the thing is for me i wouldn't even follow the intermittent fasting the way it was specifically laid out i might eat at 11 half 11 12 i might eat at one but i could also still be eating at half past nine at night mm -hmm. if i'm not going to my bed till midnight yeah. for example so yeah. i'm not doing that whole like 12 to 8 thing like mm -hmm. i'm doing what makes me feel good based upon when i'm hungry Absolutely. um so you need to look at it from the point of view of a few if you want to obviously lose weight, you need to find the tactic that's right for you. But even that eating window isn't going to guarantee you because it doesn't change physiology within the body. And it does drive down efficiency, proven in research, that if you do squeeze all of this food into like a shortened window, then you're less likely to move um, because you don't feel as comfortable. You know what it's like when you, you're, you're, yeah. your stomach's full, you feel bloated, you don't move as much, mm. you don't train as efficiently, you're, you don't want to be as active. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Maybe you have to look at whether or not that is right for you. 
because yeah. it might then impact other ways that you move around and i said at our live event actually when i struggled with binge eating before that when i overate that was a trigger for me to keep yeah. on eating so i was like so I uncomfortable that. that i needed that dopamine hit again to feel less uncomfortable because i was so bloated and full mm. lethargic so then i would just i would eat more food yeah even though i knew that it was going to have a further impact it was the taste of it that i needed to like release me for a second yeah I get the minute that. i swallowed it but even worse mm. so it's like how am i going to cure it again have another bit yeah yeah you <laughs> stay stuck in that hamster wheel exactly exactly so again it all comes down to calorie deficit and if you think that you are in a calorie deficit you're not losing body fat jesus god almighty you're not in a calorie deficit you would be the first human on earth <laughs> i was actually thinking see as you were talking about earlier on um about jillian mckeith yeah. and what came into my mind was actually matthew mcconaughey when he uh, wrote green lights mm-hmm. and green lights Great he talks book. about i know and if anyone here's seen the dallas buyers club like everyone's gonna look at matthew mcconaughey and be like fucking hunk like oh, like even i know he's a sexy yeah. guy <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> love his voice handsome man you know gifted a gab i gifted the gab he's 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 one of a kind great actor as well and in green lights he talks about how he obviously was going to cut down for the dallas buyers club so he'd actually bought the right to the dallas buyers club years ago and he bought it because he wanted to be the actor in it he knew like the times were going to change for him from him from him doing like the rom-coms that's what they're called romantic comedies um because he wanted to do more serious acting so when he managed to to get the rights to it he held on to it for years until he found the right person that would take him through the director's process mm. and like produce it and so on and so forth and he basically talked about having to cut down for it i think he was at like 190 195 pounds and he had to get down to like 158 or like oh 155 and he said had egg whites in the morning a white fish and a cup of veg in the afternoon white fish cup of veg at night fish and a rice cake i fish and a rice cake <laughs> uh, and then as much wine as he wanted at night Nice. that was his that was his diet but again he didn't overcomplicate it he was like i know i need to share a shit ton of weight here mm. i'm just going to make it easy yeah do something that works for me like i know i need to eat very little so i'm going to eat very little and i'll lose the weight obviously it wasn't going to be sustainable doing it in that way for him but see if you do want to go through and this is where people maybe get it wrong these days as well sometimes you do have to go through a drastic weight loss to, to get a lot of weight off to mm. have a healthier lifestyle to start with yeah sometimes like if you're a very very big individual and you have a lot of body fat you're very uncomfortable you want as much weight as possible off as quickly as possible you do because there's two things here psychologically if you don't you're going to believe that you can't Mm. and secondly you're going to start to realize that you're capable of more sooner than thinking i can't do x y and z until i get to x weight loss and that's miles away the quicker you can get to a goal feel more comfortable the quicker you can move on to the next goal um i wouldn't recommend it for people that are looking to lose less weight yeah but people who are looking to lose a lot of weight 100 percent. totally and i think fat loss by its very nature is not sustainable yeah like a fat loss journey is not supposed to be sustained in the long term yeah because you're not supposed to be in deficit calories for the rest of your life Aye. you're supposed to get in and get out which is something that has taken me a very long time to learn <laughs> <laughs> get in get out clean it out yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. so guys we're going to wrap up there that was our myths for the day we probably could have gotten into more but you probably realize that we digress quite a bit and <laughs> just a bit basically just talk shit <laughs> <laughs> please come back again all right but hopefully you enjoyed it if you did please tag us send us a message let me know what you think let jen know what you think um jen what's your instagram handle for anyone that's listening that doesn't know i am at coach.with.jen perfect and i'm mark underscore no i'm mark Strathairn underscore built for life yep change from the people's bt Built for yep. life, built for life all the way. Um, so guys, please share, 
tell your friends if you think it's going to be useful for someone. Reach out to us. We would love to know what you think. And we'll see you next time. Bye.